Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana is 225, so you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Why don't you give us a call? We sure appreciate it and kind of chat you up and answer any questions you may have going on in your mind. There you go. <laughs> if not, you got to listen to me and Brian just kind of babble back and forth. <laughs> I see we got a call already. Right. Let's go to phone lines. we got David online. Good morning, David. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. So uh, a friend of mine and I were discussing when we were kids how we found this old 1930s flathead V8 truck out in the field. The uh-huh. farmer gave it to us, and we started it after 30 years of sitting and realized that none of we couldn't do that at all today. And I wondered, just a general question for uh-huh. you. Do you have in your mind a period when when cars were reliable and maybe reasonably efficient and at least somewhat easily repairable before all this complicated electronics and expensive parts? And, you know, it kind of seems to me decreasing reliability. Yeah, yeah you're exactly right, Dave. My favorite cars were from the mid-'90s to the mid-2000s. As far as reliability. As far as reliability, with enough creature comforts to make them comfortable to drive. But anywhere from about 95 up to 2005 were my favorite cars. And and obviously the later ones are going to have some gadgets, the earlier ones didn't. But I found those cars incredibly reliable. Fuel injection had basically been pretty well perfected by then, so you didn't have the problems of a carburetor to deal with. Uh, The electronics were there, but it was all pretty rudimentary stuff that was pretty robust. It was kind of a fundamental change after that. And, you know, you remember back around that era, right around 05, 06, 07, all of a sudden people started keeping cars for like 300,000 miles. And what they determined was, hey, you people keeping these cars way too long, and we can do something about that. <laughs> all right, so, we're not selling enough of them. Yeah, engineering kind of went the other way, kind of gradually at first, but at an accelerating rate now. And if you took a modern car, let's say you took a 2020 car and let it sit for 20 years, there ain't no starting it again. No. Not ever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. But can you get parts for these cars now is another question. It's getting harder so, and harder. Again, and I'm not a conspiracy nut, but it's kind of a multi-pronged approach that the OEM is using. Number one, they want to get rid of these old cars, and they're going to do it any way they can. You know, they're going to try marketing and advertising, tell well, you a new car is reliable and all that. But And you remember the, the program the government sent out, the mm-hmm. cash for clunkers? Yeah, they crushed a, a bunch of A lot of, them of those cars went away then. Yeah. Still good vehicles. And, you know, they have discontinued making parts for a lot of them. Aftermarket stuff is pretty shabby at best. I've always felt that a really open-minded individual with a lot of money could start a company making OEM quality parts for these old cars and probably make a fortune, but I haven't seen anybody do it as yet. Well, thanks. Okay. Appreciate that. All right. right, Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. Hi, 291-6901 is the number. If you're going to part of the automotive hour, we'd certainly love to have you. Back to our phone lines with Jay. Good morning, Jay. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have two questions. One about car security and the other about car design lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the carjackings going on, is there anything that a car owner can add to a vehicle that would assist authorities and locating that vehicle well, before it ends up it's standing in shop. Yeah, it's pretty much already on there, Jay. You know, like with OnStar, with GM, and, and there are all the systems oh, this like is, that. This is, by the way, this is Toyota. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a 2015 yeah. Avalon. I stick with 
Toyota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got uh, several things. I think there's one called low jack and, right. and so on that you can put on the car that can do all of that. You know, carjacking, the huge increase in carjacking events is a direct result of the security systems that they've added to cars. In other words, now they aren't smart enough to steal a car anymore. It's just it's, it's way beyond them. They, they can't steal a car. So what they do now is pull a gun, put it in your face, say, give me a car. You know, well, they're running already. Yeah, we're already running. Yeah, so. And so this, all this violence and all that is kind of a direct result of security systems. I'm not saying get rid of security system. I'm just saying the thugs out there are kind of like the viruses. They just mutate and sure. <laughs> they adapt. Sure. They find opportunities <laughs> and, they, and they adapt to it. And so one of the best security systems you can actually have is a standard transmission. Yeah. If you Most got, people cannot drive yeah. a standard transmission anymore. <laughs> that's a fact. If you got a four-speed or five-speed, man, they're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not going very far after that. That's right. But, yeah, there are right. systems you can buy out there that can shut the car sure. down. Uh, I think there's some of them you can actually shut it down for your cell phone. Or go, give them the car. Give them the key. Right. God bless you, man. Get them, off. get them away from you and then hit the button and shut them down. But, yeah, there's all sorts of things like that. There's several, there are several companies yeah. out now that actually have uh, GPS units mm-hmm. that you can actually track this vehicle as long as the unit is still alive in it. Some of them plug into the OBD connector, which, there again, I really don't That's care for those. Yeah, yeah you just pull it out. Yank it out. But. The best one is the one that is, is installed inside the dash, and it's hardwired into the vehicle. Yeah, and they don't, they don't know, know it's, it's there. And you, you alert, can, you can track the vehicle anywhere, right. anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a yeah. couple of, uh, fleet companies that, right. that have employees that use vehicles and they kind of want to know where their employees are and where they vehicles tell us are. we'll install these for them. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And then, I asked the dealer mm-hmm. and the dealer, they, they said, no, they don't handle anything like that. Is there a, 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 a company yeah, they, or something I could go to? Uh, Cal Arc, I think is the name on the unit. Yeah, we got, like I said, the, the ones we install, the company supplies them to us. Right. We put them in for them. They just go online and buy them. They've got a program that you punch up the vehicle. You know, when you bring up the program, it has a sidebar on it that lists every option for this. And if you want to find out where the vehicles are, you just select vehicle. Yeah, and they and got like 30, 40 it, vehicles. Right. It tracks it wherever it is in the world, mm-hmm. at least on the, on the U.S. continent. Yeah. I know that for sure. So would I go to a company? Would I go to you all? Or we can install it for you. I mean, if you want to go online and just type Check in into it. vehicle tracking GPS device unit. for sale or something to yeah. that effect, you're going to see a whole bunch of them on there. Just do a little research, find one that you'd like. And you are, if you want to call Elizabeth and maybe make an appointment, get the car in, I can find out the ones we've installed for other people. It's not something that I sell because you can literally you can go online and buy it the right. same price or cheaper than I could. So it would it would behoove you just to go on and give me your credit card, get them shipped in, and we can install it. It's not a big deal. And you always install it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's not okay. a it's not a big deal yeah. to install. the The main okay. thing is getting it hidden, and you know, getting it out of out of sight and getting it hardwired in. Yeah, and and average, it's about an hour. Yeah, the average thug that's going to steal it, he's going to have no he idea it's there. there. And as long as you you get him a fair distance away from you, right? That's that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Then you can then you can bring up the program and show you Where know, the, the authorities, is. hey. This is where the car is. This is the unit that's in this car, and this is where it is. Yeah, now, where they have no use for that function, but there are some that you can shut the vehicle down. There are. There's a company called Lojack. I right. You might Google that. I've just seen their advertisements, and I think they provide all that stuff where you can actually shut the car down and all that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. I'm going to do some research on that, and I may may have to get, get it into you. And I, I just want to try to improve the some kind of way with yeah. tracking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously, the first thing you want to do if, you, if you're in that situation is just give them the car. I mean, right. run. Just, right. just, yeah, yeah. You're not going to lose your life over, some, over a car, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Uh, 
because these are violent people, and I mean they're gonna do what whatever they feel like uh, they need to do. Real criminals. That's right. <laughs> right. And the yeah, best no. th- the best thing you can do is keep your ignition key separate from your rusty keys. Yeah. And that yeah. way, if something does happen, all they have is ignition keys yeah. in the car. They don't have your house keys. They don't have your work keys. Yeah. They don't have any of the a other. lot of people have all the keys on, on one ring, ring right. which is not yeah. a good idea yeah. anyway because it wears the lock cylinder out. But, yeah, have just your ignition key in the car. Keep your other keys somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Now, my second question real quick. Mm-hmm. Car design. This partic- this is particularly the, 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 the Toyotas. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I got a 2015 Avalon. Okay. But I've got cameras in other cars. And when I look at the, the 2020 or 2021 Toyotas, uh, particularly the, the Camrys, mm-hmm. the, the Avalons, to me it looks like the front ends are, are lower. They are. And I'm wondering, is that an illusion or what? With the, with, and then the engine may be lower. And my concern is with the flooding we have to deal with in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. I, I spent time in New Orleans and flooding the street below. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid water, standing water where I don't know what the depth is right but sometimes you're driving yes in a in a rainstorm and you're trying to find some place to get away from from high water right and to me it looks like the street water now would come up closer now to the engine it does uh, it absolutely it? does so, it is, so the engine is lower now. yes sir. well i mean it's all aerodynamics and they're trying to get fuel mileage they're trying to make the cars cut through the wind they're building cars for reasons other than driving on flooded streets obviously that's that's not a concern to them or it's a limited concern i've got an 18 camry it's just very very low and and i'm coming down toulouse street the other day in that big big rain and i had to go through it I, before i knew it i was in it and i tried to avoid that like the plague but yeah that water was real high and i was real real nervous about all you can do is go as slow as possible and, and hope for the best but everything is to get the hood lines lower, which is good for aerodynamics. They have to set the engines lower. It's just the way it is. And like I said, cars are being driven right now by government regulations and by fuel economy regulations and yak, 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 rather than usefulness to the owner. You know, that's, that's not even a factor any longer. So, and of course, rain and all is a problem. Drainage is a problem. Most cities aren't maintaining their drains the way they should. So it's just a big, big problem. It's just two different sets of priorities and and one's winning out so but yeah it, it's yeah. not as cute the toyota that's every car out there right yeah i mean unless you buy a pickup okay. truck or something but you know that's kind of going a long way around the problem it seems so it's not an illusion engine oh no, has no everything everything is lower yeah because they're cutting those hood lines with it. they want that front end as low so it's like a wedge cutting through the wind because <laughs> one of the biggest killers of fuel economy other than weight and they've got the weight down about as low as they can go is the, the force of pushing this body through the air at the 70 drag. miles an hour drag. And, I mean, they've got the drag coefficient on, on say, a 2018 Camry. That, the drag coefficient is probably close to an F-15 fighter. You know, it's it's it cuts through the wind real good. You notice the difference. When you do 70 miles an hour, you let off the fuel, and it doesn't even slow down. <laughs> it just keeps on coasting. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. And, I mean, i got to say, that thing gets 40 miles to the gallon, which is great. Yeah. But the downside is, yeah, you're not going to drive down a lot of flooded roads with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's something we got to live with. Then, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Listen to you every every weekend. Well, good. Yeah, I appreciate thank it, you. man. Thank okay, you. thank, thank you. you a lot. Mm, bye-bye. All right, we'll take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. If you ever plan to move.
Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We were just talking about auto thefts and things here right. in town. Most of your vehicles that have the push-button start, mm-hmm. that doesn't attach to the vehicle any at all. So when if it's in your pocket, you can still start the vehicle. Right. Once you get out the vehicle, it'll stay running until it's turned off. Right. And then it will not restart because it can't find the key. So that is an option also is keep the keys in your pocket. Of course, pocket. most of them, when you jump out of the car, a little message pops up that says key not in vehicle or key not found. Some do. And Mo- uh, most don't. So once, then once then they running. just shoot you and rifle through your yeah. pocket. <laughs> well, while while the... it's still in your wallet, your wallet, they'll take the keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you get into all the socioeconomic oh, reasons yeah. for the things we got. And yeah. me personally, I think we're going the wrong way. Sure. Trying to make the cars unstealable, just get rid of the ones that are stealing them. But that's, that's a whole other that, discussion yeah. for another hey, day, <laughs> another program. But yeah. There was a couple of really good points brought out in the calls that we got. And another one was the high water issue, sure. which has been an issue for a while now. I guess forever, but it's really cars gotten worse used to be a lot higher and didn't have as much stuff on them. And the absolute worst thing you can do is to go in and modify your car in some way i know a lot of people they'll put these fresh air intakes and stuff on their car thinking that this is going to do something well and it's a direct line from the air filter to the intake on the engine whereas the factory actually had a water reservoir if water happened to get in there it would run into this compartment before it got pulled into the intake the factory system is not perfect no it's not but it is better than anything else because they have thought about these things they've engineered stuff in there to try to help prevent sure. water ingestion into the engine but you go in you pull on these fresh air intakes and i mean by the way it may make a lot more noise you're hearing the intake noise right. it may increase your power a tiny amount it is not going to increase fuel mileage that no. absolutely is out it will not do anything for your fuel mileage so if that's the reason you're putting it on just save you time it also can present a problem where if the engine were to call for backfire the car can catch fire because they're sure. not designed for all that and I've always really, really, really disliked from the special air filters, oil, the oil fil- bath yeah. filters that you put in. That Never stuff did like that. Doesn't do anything. I've seen it, it create a problems. lot of problems. One thing is, most people are not going to pull this thing out every five thousand miles and clean. It. Yeah, I'm gonna spend my Saturday afternoon cleaning the air filter. Most and, people won't take a regular air filter out and right. Clean it. Won't even throw away a, a, a bad one. Put yeah. in, much less, much this, less stop this and clean this one. Debacle. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible mess. It's a real pain. Sure. You're not going to do it. So now what you end up with is a clogged air filter where 
either the oil is getting sucked in and getting on the airflow meter, which takes it out, right. or it's blocking the airflow, which is going to cut your power down. I mean, I don't see any reason whatsoever. That is one thing the OEM has done pretty well, they have. is design their intake systems and all that to be trouble-free, low-maintenance, easy-maintenance. Sure. I mean, every... 30, 40,000 miles, depending on what kind of roads you drive on. You take this paper filter out, you throw, throw it away, away, you put another one back in there, and, you, and you're good yeah, to go five, for another. Five, ten minutes, you're done. Right, which is, just makes so much more sense. If somebody could come out with a more waterproof intake, like I've seen these little off-road vehicles with the big stack with the snorkel on them, yeah. Okay, and again, I'm, I'm not ready to drive my car around with a snorkel sticking up out but the roof. But some people are. Well, if you got yeah. an off-road vehicle, it kind of looks cool. Yeah, there yeah. you go. On a family sedan, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say those are probably effective to some sure. degree. Sure, you know, because they, they move the air intake above the roof line right. where water cannot get in it. Right. And I'm sure they've got... Some rain does get into sure. it. So it's they gotta got to bleed off. Yeah, they got ways to bleed all that off. If you ever look at like these high water vehicles, uh, like the military uh-huh. uses and all, they always got the big snorkels and some of them right. have the exhaust run up where it can't it's go not through under. the exhaust. But again, you're talking about a vehicle custom designed to go sure. through high water. Sure. All the wheel bearings and all are triple sealed. I mean, in many cases where the axles go in is raised up and they got like a big gear inside of that that brings it down to the center mm-hmm. of the wheel and all that. That's a vehicle purpose built. Sure. For one thing. I don't think it's really to the point where we have to worry about something like that, but Well, it's not cost effective to build every car like that. No, absolutely not. And And they weigh more. Well There's a lot more weight to them. Those vehicles like I know like the military uses and the National Guard and everything uses, I mean, they are probably a hundred thousand or more sure. per vehicle. Purpose built to do one thing. Right. They don't get <laughs> probably six miles to the gallon. If you know? that. If that. But just in the way it is, in this world we got to live in, sure. the number one is if you suspect this street to be flooded, don't just go down. don't go down that street. Right. Even if you have to stop and pull over and, and wait an wait, hour, whatever, right. it's going to be way, way, way cheaper. Now, all that said, I do understand there are times when you, you are going to have you get caught and you sure. just got to go. The best thing there is to go as slowly as you possibly can because the faster you go, that front end is sitting in water. It is pushing that up is like a wake being created under behind the front bumper sir and if any possible way try to avoid other vehicles when the other guy comes the other way doing 40 miles an hour he's creating a wake sure which is pushing over into front of your car so you just got to try to avoid it the best you can now once water has gotten up it's just a matter of repairing there's really nothing preemptively no that you can do if water gets into the engine it's pretty much gonna be a new engine if it gets into the wheel bearings, it's pretty much going to be new wheel bearings because right. it's not like the old days where you could take them apart, clean them, clean them, repack them, them, put it back together. Right. If you got like a pickup truck type vehicle, SUV type vehicle, you may be able to pull the covers off your front and rear differential, depending drain those and serve them right. depending on application. But so much of that stuff today is all sealed. It's just not a lot you can be able to do preemptively. You just have to kind of hope for the best and right. wait and see and fix it when it breaks. Especially with wheel bearings. Right. Wheel bearings every right. wheel bearing today is sealed. Right. They're not going to fail immediately. They may no. they may fail in the next month. It may take a year for it to fail. Well, the water just gets depends in, on how much water gets in. Depending on the amount of water that gets in. First thing it starts to do is it starts to attack the grease mm-hmm. because grease has dispersancy, which will absorb it to the degree it can, but it, all, it emulsifies the grease, which lowers the ability to lubricate. Right. Now, also, the water is going to start attacking the metal in there because that's what water does. Right. None of that metal is, is sealed. It's all uh, raw metal. Right. Well, so there's no sealing Even if it's it. chrome-plated, it's just not designed to run underwater. It's going to rust, get pits in it, 
And when it, corrosion is going to take place, when that happens, it starts pitting the balls, start pitting the races, or the races start pitting the balls in the bearing, and before long, it's screaming. Yeah, well, and like you said, this process can take anywhere from a week to a year. Sure. But, and I, I think probably the largest factor is how much gets in there. You right. know, obviously, if, if a cap full gets in, it's probably going to go out pretty fast. If a drop or two gets in, it may take up it may to a take year. take a while. What you have to remember is just because this one wheel bearing went bad, mm-hmm. the, the other three wheel bearings on the vehicle went through the same water. Right. It's probably just a matter of time before another one fails. Well, in many cases, it is. And which brings us to the point, when you're changing wheel bearings, if it is a lot less expensive to change them, say, in pairs. Sure. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. If the case is that we can change one for $200, and two for, say, $300, well, then it makes sense to go ahead and change them both at the same time. Well, exactly. And but, a, lot, a lot of your vehicles have a pressed-in wheel bearing in the front, mm-hmm. which means you have to disassemble the front suspension, Right. take this knuckle to the press, and press the new bear, old bearing out, press the new one in, put right. it all back together, put it back on the vehicle, and then at that point, you've disturbed the alignment. Right, you have to do so it has, alignment. So it has to have an alignment done. So in those cases, there's generally going to be a savings by doing both, both at, at the same time. time. But in the case where the wheel bearing is independent one to another, right. it costs two hundred dollars change one. It costs four hundred dollars change two. You might as well wait and see. Sure, if, if it's not Get some make, more life out of it, because it's not going to generally just catastrophically fail with no warning. No, it's going to start to make noise and. When it starts making noise, it's, it's failing. Then you have to get it in and get it replaced. Sure, maybe a little more inconvenient, but then again, it may not fail at all. So right. you may save two hundred bucks, or four hundred bucks, or a thousand bucks, or whatever. However much they cost. Some of those just the bearing is five or six hundred dollars. Sure, plus the labor to put it in. So, yeah, it just depends on the situation as to what you want to do. Right. Got to go ahead and take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just going the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you got a question or a comment on the show, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we've got Kevin's been patient holding. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. From West Virginia. Hope you're doing well. Doing great. Doing very good. Hey, uh, I'm calling in regards to my Audi. Okay. (laughs) You guys, you've spoken before very many times about how complex these vehicles can be. Mm -hmm. And I hope you might have a direction you might be able to help me turn. car's got about 210,000 miles on it now. And I'm having trouble. I know with these early model, it's a 2008, so I know with these early model direct injection engines, they get carboned up over time, especially if you don't use the proper oil. 
And one of the problems that my mechanic thinks is happening is he thinks it's time to decarbonize the engine. Right. However, the way I understand my problem is, let me start with that. My problem is when the car is hot, not when it's cold, but whenever it's warm and I go to restart the car, especially if it's been sitting for 10, 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, I go to start it and it'll crank, it'll, you know, everything's fine. It'll crank over, it'll fire. And it will, it's a very, very rich mixture. You can even smell it uh, being so rich. And it'll stall. And it might do that a couple more times. And if you can start it up and use the throttle enough to keep it running just mm-hmm. for two or three seconds, it will clear itself out and run fine, no problems at all. But it's only when it's hot that it's running rich like that. And he said, well, it might be time for a decarbon. But the way I understand, if it's carboned up like that, that's when it's cold is when you have misfires. I would think. And and I'm running a ton of codes on this car. I'm seeing a system too rich at Idle Bank One, right, which right. is a P2188. I'm seeing an Idle Air control system RPM higher than expected, which is a P0507. Well, and that's probably uh, you're, you're trying to race trying it up, to keep, keep it running. running. Yeah, the I'm first, also seeing. Oh, go ahead. The first thing I would be checking is fuel pressure, and not only fuel okay. pressure, but after it's hot, when you turn the key off, check and see if it yeah. maintains fuel pressure. Yeah, if it's leaking okay. fuel into the cylinders, that it yeah. almost sounds like the engine's flooding, it like does. the injector's not sealing good, pressure's bleeding down for whatever reason. And again, it could be carbon in the tips of the injectors. I don't know. But sure. that doesn't sound like traditional carbon buildup. I mean, carbon buildup is fairly easy to spot. You can pull the upper intake really easy, and you can just look down, and you can see it on, on the valves of it. And right. we, we use, sure. like, a nutshell blaster. A walnut. Yeah, it's a walnut shell yeah, walnut blaster to, to, to clean that out. But that really doesn't sound as much like that. I'm suspecting, like Brian said, either elevated fuel pressure or injectors leaking down. Yeah, something sounds like the engine's flooding. flooding. Well, and that's that's what I was wondering because it seems I even tried thinking, well, maybe the mass airflow sensor is not uh, reading correctly. So I unplugged that. Yeah. Tried to see if that was any difference, and it really didn't make any difference. And I'm seeing a proper – I'm able to do logging on the car, and I was I was able to watch my uh, – you know, my airflow on the mass airflow mm-hmm. sensor seems to be fine. There's no yeah, problem there. Right. Now, can you read the pulse width? Can you read your pulse uh, width required? And, and I, yeah, and, I can't read that. Okay. Uh, I I can I can read a few things as far as fueling and right. uh, fuel pressures, low pressure, well, low side pressure. You would you would want to see if it's if it's commanding too much fuel pressure because of a sensor. But the fact that it does it first thing when you start up, see all your sensors all really aren't affecting things a whole lot. That sounds more like the injectors dribbling down when they shouldn't be. Like when you turn the car okay. off, they're dripping fuel into the cylinder. So you crank it up, it's flooded, it's sputtering, it's dying it's doing all this stuff you blow it out and it is fine right and you see what happens yeah. even if they continue to dribble fuel when you're running the o2s pick it up and it just cuts, it cuts back, it back. The, the fuel width so it, it can adapt to it once it's running and then when it's cold it's it's set all night and first thing in the morning it needs a no, bunch of fuel anyway well and there's probably not much fuel left in it from sitting overnight yeah it evaporates out sure. and plus the fact it needs to be rich to start anyway exactly so sure that, well, that would be where i would start yeah, and that's the thing, and I appreciate that because that's the problem I'm seeing is it has it does have a lot of miles, and I'm trying to keep it around a while. Mm-hmm. You know, going to college and doing my flight training, I'd rather try and save money. Right. But yeah, I'm I'm getting an under boost condition, uh, under boost, over boost condition, and also I was looking at the fuel just to try and see. I was looking at fuel pressures to try and see mm-hmm. if there was 
maybe the low side, uh, you know, was high or the high side was dropping or something. Right. I was trying to watch that. But what I did notice is what my specified boost level is and what my actual boost is completely different. Yeah. Uh, it's nowhere close to each other. And on the fuel, I'm seeing a, um, I was seeing a short uh, or long-term fuel use. The long-term trend fuel was trim. way yeah. off, too. Yeah, well, that's going to be. If, fuel, if, if raw fuel's dripping in there, you're going to get all that. I'd go back okay. first, and, I mean, you might even just try some injector cleaner through the tank because while that won't clean okay. the valves and all that, it will clean the tip of that inject to some degree, you know, if it's not too bad. Okay. Of course, if they're worn out, okay. it's not going to do it. Right. If, they, if the if the the panel's stuck, it's not going to do it. But and you might just try that. It costs all, hardly anything to do. And but just remember that sure. just because a little works, a lot's not going to make yeah, it any better. Yeah, you won't specify them out. Yeah, <laughs> right. you won't just keep dumping it in there. Well, and, and I do run the you know the best fuel I can get. It's right. usually, Good. you know, Shell or yeah. uh, I try and stick with one. I, I really only get fuel at one location for right. the most part. And, right. uh, and I try not to get, you know, the cheap uh, fuel. And I also try to go there when there's no truck. Right, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. The That's I've heard you guys talk about that before, and my dad always yeah. said they're just stirring up all the trash. Well, and, and injectors do just wear out. I mean, they, they open sure. literally hundreds of thousands of times in 200,000 miles, so they do just wear out. It's the the panels stick. They they wear the bores out, all kinds of things. You may sure. end up putting a set of injectors in it, but I w- that's where I would start looking at, at stuff like that first. Well, that makes sense, and I tell you, they, they do get used a lot more with that direct injection oh, yeah. right there in the cylinder. That's right. right? Well, exposed to all the combustion. higher pressures. And- yeah, exposed combustion temperature, too. So, well, guys, I sure appreciate it. Like I said, I, I hate pulling codes and seeing nine codes on here. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would go after that hard start problem first. Yep. rest of them may clear up after that. That's that's exactly what I thought. If I could figure that one out, then the other things, you know, the, the boost and uh, condition might just be because it's seeing it's not seeing the fuel trims the way it likes or exactly. something yeah. of that sort. Possibly. Okay, yep. So. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys are having a little bit better weather than we are here. I'm trying to get my pilot's license, and it, I just can't get nice it, weather. To pretty fly, nice. It's it raining a lot, but pretty <laughs> yeah. nice. Not not too hot. I hear you. Well, guys, thank you so much. All right, uh, Kevin. Man, I'm still glad you're on the radio. Well, I heard you retired, but I'm still glad you're at this. It's great <laughs> yep. to hear from you guys. So All right, keep Kevin. those Chevys running. There you <laughs> go. Thanks, man. <laughs> Take care, bud. All, All right. Bye-bye. Right. Right. I think we got time to sneak one more call All in right. before the break. we got Marvin on the line. Good morning, Marvin. Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a question about, uh, I have a 2018 Camry, uh-huh. and it's coming up on changing the uh, transmission fluid, uh-huh. and the dealer doesn't recommend that. They recommend flushing that. No, one no, no, absolutely not. No, you, your, you, uh, you want a proper service on it. Right. Do not want to flush it. Flushing does absolutely no good. It can and restrict may cause the problems. filter, may cause problems. I would not ever go back to anybody who recommended that. In fact, most of the manufacturers have bulletins out that says, do not flush their vehicles. That one, they got a thermostat in the cooler line, so they're not going to be doing anything anyway because the thermostat's going to close, and all they're doing is pumping fluid in the circle. So, no, you what you want to do is drop the pan, replace the screen, and change the fluid the proper conventional way. Just go on my website and look up proper transmission service, and it'll bring up an article. Or, or type in, like, Toyota transmission. It'll bring right. in one specific to Toyota. Okay. I have, do you have time for another question? If you make it quick. The new cars come out now have the... Where you come to a red light or something, yep. the engine dies mm-hmm. and then restarts. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on that? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Yeah, if you could find one that has a deal where you can disable it, that would be yeah. great. But 
unfortunately, most of them, even if they have a switch to disable it, it comes back on every key cycle, so you got to turn it off every time. Right. Most drivers that I talk to absolutely hate it and wish there was a way we could disable it for them. Unfortunately, if it's built into the car and they don't provide a means to disable it, you can't disable it because now you're tampering with emissions, and that's a huge fine for that. So I would try to find a car without it if I could. If you got to find, if you find a car you love and that's what's on there, see if it can be turned off. Some you can toggle it on, toggle it off, and it stays off. Some like your Ford pickups, you can turn it off each drive cycle, but next time you start, it comes back on again. I see. Does it do permanent damage to the starter and the engine? Well, it's, it's utilizing it a whole, whole, whole lot more, and, and I'm sure. Time will tell. Yeah, the manufacturer didn't put a super duper starter in there, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just don't like it. I, I don't like the whole concept of it. I think it's just feel good engineering that costs people a lot of money down the road. Okay. Well, I sure do appreciate. All right, man. Thanks All right, thank much. you. Thanks, Colin. All right, bye bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Hold on, and you'll be straight up after this break. Man, you have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we've got Jimmy's been patiently holding. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. You bet. 2016 F-150 5-liter V8. Mm-hmm. When I go to start it, now I've, I've had a whole bunch of Ford trucks. Mm-hmm. When I hit this key, they start. Right away. Mm-hmm. This F, this uh, 2016, I hit the starter. Sometimes it cranks right up. But sometimes the motor will turn over and over and over for, you know, five, seven, eight seconds, you know, long enough for me to make it think, make, you know, make right. me think, hey, it's not going to start this time. Mm-hmm. And then it cranks up. Yeah. Um, it's not, I can't find any consistency. It's not just when it's cold. It's not just when yeah. it's hot. Yeah, most of the time, Jimmy, in fact, almost all the time, that's going to be a fuel pressure issue. And what's happening is that the fuel pressure is either dropping down occasionally or it's bleeding back. You know, that's got a uh, returnless system on, so everything's inside the tank in the fuel pump. But Mm -hmm. it's got a check valve in there because it's got a regulator in the pump. And when it starts producing too much pressure, the module cuts the voltage back to the pump and it dumps excess back into the tank. But what would happen if the fuel pressure drops down when it shouldn't? When you go in in the morning to start it, there's no fuel in the rail because it's all drained back yeah. to the tank. So its pump is, is going to come on. When, when you first hit the button to start it, it's going to run that pump for about two or three seconds enough to charge the rail under normal conditions. But if the rail's empty, that's not going to do it. So you got no fuel up there. And it's yeah. only going to run for a few seconds because it doesn't 
it doesn't want to flood the engine. Right, it doesn't charge the whole line because, like you said, it doesn't want to flood the engine, so the pump turns off now, after two seconds. It, this is push-button start or key start? Key start. Okay, well, with a key, you got one little advantage that you can do. Next time it does it, just turn the key to off and then just turn it to on but not start, and then turn it off yeah. again and turn it back to on, and then do that a couple of times and then see if it starts right up. Because each time you cycle the ignition, it'll run the pump for a few seconds, and that'll charge the rail. Yeah. If it cranks right back up, then you know that's what it is. Now, alternatively, yeah. you can bring it to a shop. They can put a fuel pressure gauge on it, and they can, they the can check for that. Yeah. But if it's intermittent, it may be hard to find. You know, it may not occur, but it's going to probably get more consistent, and eventually one day it's not going to start. How, how many miles yeah. do you have on it, Jimmy? 90. Yeah, you, you're okay. about it, in that it's range. Been, it's, been do, it's been doing it. I, I bought the truck with 37, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty much been that way as long as I've had it. could have been a, could have a defective pump, you know, just got a check valve yeah. in it. That's bad. I wouldn't go change the pump on a maybe, but I'd like to catch it doing it. But if you can catch it doing it, you can verify that. The fix is going to be to change the fuel pump in most cases. I mean, there are a couple of yeah. things that could possibly be, but that's so, so common, particularly up, you know, around yeah, that. It's, I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. It's just, yeah, you know, well, it's, it's going to get worse, and eventually one day yeah. it's not going to start or it's going to leave you stranded. So and it'll eventually we'll, have to be dealt with. But You were talking to the previous caller about fuel dripping Right back into the Cylinder. thing, and and in my in my head, but you know, even, you know, before I called, I said, I wonder if it's just going, you know, the fuel's dripping back the other way. It's losing a yeah. Normally, it's something. draining back to the tank because if it strips okay. in the cylinders, it starts setting codes and all for for rich, rich condition. It's gonna run real yeah, rough right. when it starts, and all. And yours is not doing that. But yeah, it's no, probably no, draining. It's, it's going the fuel's going the other way. It's draining yeah. into the tank, yeah, and see, that's got a returnless yeah. system with a module that controls the speed of the pump. So if it okay. builds more, you know, if that. Uh, check valve and the pump doesn't seat it just drains into the tank you don't lose any fuel you don't have a smell yeah. or anything but it's just draining in the tank and the fuel rails drained out so turn the key on yeah turn it to on off. not start just turn to on yeah. all the way over turn it off do that a couple times and if it cranks up immediately after that then that's very likely what it is okay okay that's easy enough well i'll do it when i get it back from the shop they it's got rear end trouble now. Bangs are going bad or something. Yeah, yeah, they have some, there's some problems in there. They have some yeah. trouble with that. Those little trucks, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not bad-mouthing Ford, but the, the later model ones, they're just not near the truck Ford used to build, in my opinion. They, they way too many yeah. problems that you shouldn't have. Yeah, well, I've never had a rear end yeah, you know, metal all metal all over the plug. Oh yeah, yeah, ninety thousand miles. Well, and Ford recommends changing the fluid. I think at a hundred. Right. I like to change the fluid on those at around fifty, and if you're towing probably close to about 25 or 30 yeah because they definitely have rear end problems with them yeah well me i'm i'm one of them there you go <laughs> I appreciate it. all right, Jeff, all right thanks man it. bye-bye thank you all right 291-6901 is the number if you want part of the automotive i would certainly love to have you and you know that's what like three or four calls we've had sure. complaining about the newer vehicles and you know i know we talk about that a lot and i don't want to sound like just a always bashing on on new stuff but it's just you it's, see it's way almost, way too much yeah, stuff. You know, they're building vehicles now almost for hey, let's look what we can do. Well, you know, and you know, you generally get forty, fifty thousand miles of pretty trouble free service sure, out of them. Sure, but then you after don't that, want to do anything at all to them. Yeah, you know, yeah. I had a gentleman who emailed us morning, and he's got an eighteen model Tahoe, and the transmission shutter where right. I, when it goes in the lockup, and of course it's an eight speed transmission, so it's always shifting gears anyway. And it's going to lock up between gears, and it's a pulse-modulated lockup. And they have a problem. They shudder going in and out. Right. And they revise the fluid on them, I think, twice. They're trying to come out with a fluid slick enough to let them slip enough where they won't do it, and I don't think they got it yet. But he said, yeah, they changed the fluid at it. 
in it a while uh-huh. back. It did make it better for a while, but now it's back again. And what I'm thinking in my mind is how many of these things at 70,000 miles, the torque converter comes, let's go, and it tears the whole transmission up. Right. You change them all the time. Then you're out six, seven grand. Yeah, probably a couple of them a week. Sure. We're seeing, you know, it used to be having a 100,000 mile uh, warranty on all that stuff. Of course, they've cut that back to 50 now. Of course. <laughs> and these normally units. the magic number seems to be around 70, 70. to 80,000 miles. Yep. Uh, and they just let go. Once they do, this metal just oh, it goes through proliferates the through the whole system. So not only are you changing the whole transmission out, but you're changing the coolers out and all the that stuff. Whatever. Some yeah. of the newer coolers are part of the air conditioning condenser, so you got to change the AC condenser, which means you have to charge and recharge the... Uh, and the newer ones take the 123YF fluid. Yeah, 1234YF, so, so yeah, yeah, you got a big deal there. Not just bashing everything new on cars. I'm just saying there's an awful lot of technology there. Some of it's useful, some of it not so much. Right. But there is a price for all that. There is. I was talking to a guy a while back, and he was talking about keeping a car a long period of time. He says, well, it just costs so much money to keep a car. I said, well, no. Not necessarily. You're paying a price for a car. There's a cost for transportation. Now, that might be notes on a new car. Sure. Might or- be notes on an extended warranty. It might be whatever... It might be repairs, but you are going to, nobody rides free. No. Not ever. You're going to no. pay a cost. There's a cost. What you want is the lowest possible cost per mile. Sure. And that is with an old car well-maintained. You're going to get the lowest overall cost. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look up my cars, and I spend less than $200 a month to drive a car. Right. And that is everything. That's tires, oil changes, repairs, the cost of buying the car initially. See, people don't understand. They go buy a new car and spend $60,000. Well, if you break that down per month, that's a pretty high cost. And Okay, I know you can pay cash for a car. Great. But it's still money you could have had somewhere else. Somewhere else. Earning money or buying other things you want is still a cost per month. Of course. And if you take the amount the car costs new, was it $60,000, drive it for one year and then go down and see if you can sell it. Right. What do you see, get for? See what you're gonna get. You're gonna get forty thousand for it. If well, at most. Yeah. So you spent twenty thousand dollars to go to one drive year. one year. Now the next year, you can get twenty five thousand for it. So you spent fifteen thousand dollars that year. You know, I know we don't tend to think about things we don't. that way because it's not coming out of your pocket every day. Well, and they're selling vehicles now as to you know not how much the vehicle is costs or how much it's going to cost you to purchase it. Mm-hmm. But they are selling month to month. How much can you afford to spend a month? Yeah. That's how vehicles are being sold today. Well, and you are going to spend money per month. You that are. is the cost of transportation. I've got an older truck. My truck is 20 years old. Right. But, again, I've spent very, very little money on it. I mean, I, I've added up on that little truck. My cost per month is about $25 a month. Yeah. Because I just, I mean, it's yeah. been an incredibly it's been good, a little, good truck. little truck. 2002, it's like we talked about earlier, it's in that 1995 right. to 2005 sweet spot. And I wouldn't think twice about getting in it and going to California well, go today. Anywhere. today. I, yeah, today. I, I drive it anywhere. I take it to New Orleans every once in a while, just try sure. to put some miles on it just to keep it up. And, again, it sits a lot now since I've retired. It right. sits in my garage all week, basically. I drive it on the weekends when I come back to which, Baton Rouge. Which is really the worst thing you can be doing with it. It is. But what I do is I try to intentionally take the highway. Uh-huh. I go a longer route. I'll drop it down out of overdrive just to let the RPM come up, get keep up the battery charged up, get it up to temperature. Right. And I tr- I'm literally trying to burn some fuel out because it might take me three months to burn a tank of fuel right. more than I'm driving it. And I don't want fuel to go bad. Mm-hmm. So I'll drive when I go home this afternoon. It's from the radio station to my house is about 20, 
about 20 miles or so, I'll drop it down into fourth gear right. out of overdrive and let those RPM come up to maybe 3,000 and drive it all the way back, which does as much good as I can do. Right. Occasionally, if I'm not here in the lane, I'll tell her, we'll take the hey, truck yeah. to work so she can put a few more miles on it. Yeah, that's so. that's the worst thing about having an extra vehicle or yeah. one you don't drive very often. That's right. But, man, my cost is almost nothing on yeah. that thing. <laughs> I see we're out of time. Got to get on out of here. Tell everybody how much appreciate them this week and every week listening to us. I'd like to thank all our podcasters. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast service or you know, whichever that might be. Find a written view and fill it out for us, That's please. right. That'll move us up in the ranking so more people can hear us and we can keep on doing the show. There you go. Hey, preceding opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.